0: Faith, in its proper perspective, is really asking a different set of questions. Danger, Will Robinson! Danger! Don't let the system subvert you to their will. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Nero, in particular, is violently oppressive of Christians. He set them afire. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about it. and welcome. My name is Kate Gennardu. As you can see, we are in the middle of this series called Dangerous Faith. So if you haven't been here before, you've come right in in the middle of it. And what you've missed that was that in our first weeks we were looking at the mistakes that people can make when they think about faith. The mistake that people who are outside the faith can make when they look at faith is they, they can think that it's like a nice, sweet support system. It's for those people who don't really have the strength or the power to do life in their own strength. And it's a nice thing that will help you and facilitate you to get through life. And those people who are in the faith who practice faith they can make a mistake they can think that faith is a bit like a supplement it's just something that will support you and and it adds to your life and it's a bit like a a sugar topping on a lovely cake Um, yeah it increases my well-being to go to church on a Sunday and it it increases my sense of happiness and, and joy so it's a supplement or it can be a support now both these are wrong because they presume that faith is safe. Faith is not safe. It actually demands a huge amount from us. It demands us to live courageously, in self-denial, in self-sacrifice. These are not easy things. And last week, we looked at what it is to live out your faith. And people who had a faith were encouraged to really live it to the full, to maximize everything that it offers and to take a challenging path. And for those who are outside of faith, there was a challenge to look and explore more deeply and ask the question, what do I think about this? So this week we're looking at the subject of baptism. And it's a great opportunity to explore both those things. If you're a Christian, look more deeply and live it out. And if you're not a Christian, to explore, what does this say to me? Is this something that I can believe in? And we're gonna be baptizing five people tonight. And their baptisms are a very powerful statement. They communicate something to each one of us. And I wanna ask the question, you know, what does baptism communicate to us? What, am I, what is speaking to my soul when I see this, and I see these people making this decision to, to get baptised? It's a really, really powerful thing. And it's not an easy thing. It's, it's a difficult thing. Now I think, when I ask the question, what are they trying to communicate? What, is, what are Frank and Beth, what are they communicating in their stories? I see a lot about conviction. Can everyone say that with me? <laughs> conviction. I see people who are acting out of a sense of conviction. I love David's story because he says he doesn't want to have a faith that is inherited from his family. He wants it to be his own. So he did rigorous research, looking into theology and exploring as, as best he could until he found a faith that he himself could own. And then he wanted to act with conviction and move forward. And a lot of people have that moment in their life when they are, they are convinced that God is real. And what does it do? Well, it leads them to make some form of, of a commitment. And again, can we all say that word, commitment? Commitment. Because I think that is the second thing that is communicated in these stories. And Beth talks about how her commitment to be baptised was similar to her marriage vows, her commitment to her husband, Frank, And I think it's true that if you're convicted that someone like Frank is is the man for you, until you've walked down the aisle in that dress, put the ring on your finger and said your vows, you haven't really made the best of that conviction. You need to harness it with a commitment. And that's a challenge for people here who are Christians and they have faith, but they've not yet made that step to become baptized, they haven't made that commitment to give their life over to God. So there's loads of opportunities here in Metro to get baptized and if you feel actually that is a step you wanna make, then come and talk to us at the end, we'd love to speak to you. So baptism, it's a very graphic demonstration of faith and it speaks to us and it's people telling us how they feel about their faith, how they feel about God. And the decision that they want to make for their life. Now, it's very challenging and it's dangerous because a baptism is when you reenact the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we've got loads of visitors here tonight, and I think it's a lot to expect of you uh, that you'll be okay and you won't think that this is strange because it is a very strange ceremony enacting a death. You know, it's almost like putting five coffins in front of the stage and inviting, you know, Beth, Frank, (laughs) Yanni, David, Emily to get into those coffins, nail them in, dig a hole, bury them, put a bit of soil on top of them, and then dig them out again. And you'd be going, well, that is really, really strange. But actually, that's what the baptistry signifies. That's what the water signifies. It signifies a going into your grave. choosing to end your life as you've lived it until this point and being resurrected out into your new life where you live it in communion in fellowship in obedience to god it's a big deal and it's a dangerous thing i don't think it's a safe decision at all when i got baptized a long, long time ago when I was 20. In fact, hearing um, Yanni's story made me remember how when I went to university, um, I met for the first time a bunch of Christians who really grew my faith in the same way. And they were the ones that challenged me because I, I had become a Christian. And they said, you haven't been baptised. So I agreed to be baptised, and they took me to Southampton a Beach. They took me to the sea, and they said, right, there's four of you want to get baptised. We're all going to get baptised here together, and the pastor came with us. And, you know, when we arrived at that sea, it was like glass. It was so calm. It was really peaceful. And I was really excited, and I felt really profoundly stilled and moved. But as soon as I set my foot on the pebbles to descend towards the water, it's like a wind came from nowhere. And I remember saying to my friends, the sea is against me. It's frightening me. And the waves went from you know, totally still, to about five or six foot. It was really frightening. And I think I looked like one of those horses that you're trying to get into a horse box and they're very resistant. You know, people come round with a lunge rein and pull it from behind. And then there's someone at the front pulling at the nose. Well, I was like that, because I'm not really a creature of the water. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm a creature of the land. And... When I swim, there's a lot of splashing, and there's not very much moving across the water. I know when I'm in a swimming pool, I can be doing a lot of activity and be in the same place for an hour. So I looked at the water, and I thought, this doesn't feel very safe for me. These waves have suddenly got very big, and what if they're going to get even bigger? But they managed to persuade me and goad me in, and I had two gentlemen who were standing either side of me, and we're going to see this in a minute two people either side that lower you into the water. And I stood there very bravely, and they led me up to my chest, and I said my vows, I, I, I made my decision and my commitment to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And they took me down, and they took me about a foot under the water. And just as I was coming out, I thought, it's okay, Kate, it's just, just a foot of water to get through. When I got through that foot of water... I realised that there was another six foot to swim up because a wave had overtaken me at that moment, and I was struggling and fighting to get to the top, thinking, actually, I am going to die. <laughs> and when I came out, I was making a big noise about this. I said, do you realise, people, I nearly died in there? That wasn't fun, that wasn't a great experience. And they were trying to be very you know, philosophical about it, saying, This is the Christian life. We are called to die. Do you know what? It's really funny. (laughs) It is a death wish. It is a death wish. But it's a death wish of your spirit. But when they were talking to me and saying, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a message from God, your baptism. And do you know what? It has been a bit of a kind of a symbol of my life because I would say whenever I feel in life that I've just got my head or I'm just getting my head above water, I always find there's another six foot of water above me and I'm always scrambling to the top. Life can feel like that. You know, faith isn't safe because it's never on our terms. It's on God's terms. It's on his terms. And I've been talking about how when we get baptised, we are making a statement. Do you know, we're making a statement to God, to ourselves, and to everybody who sees us. A powerful statement about our conviction that God is real and our decision to make a commitment to him. But the question I want to ask next, and this is what was preoccupying me at the time of my baptism, does God speak back If I communicate through my actions and through my words, my desire to live with God, can I expect God to respond? And the answer to that question is found in Matthew's um, account of the baptism of Jesus. So we're going to go into the scripture now and we're going to have a little read. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. You know, John isn't a fool. John the Baptist, he was a relative of Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. And he asked the question, if you're God... You've never known a life separated from God. You're you're a perfect man. There's absolutely no reason why you should be baptised. And he resisted Jesus at the beginning, saying, this is nonsense. I should be baptised by you. It makes perfect sense. But Jesus said, no, it has to happen like this to fulfil all righteousness. And I think that word suggests that he's talking about all of us. Because Jesus, he didn't need to get baptised. It wasn't necessary unless it was necessary to give us an example, a model of what it looks like for a human being to exercise their own free will and choose to surrender their life to God. That's what's happening in the baptism of Jesus. He's showing us what it looks like to come out from your old life and to come into a new life in obedience, in surrender to God. Now, if that's true, if that is true that Jesus was just the model to show us the example, he said, this is how it is, then it must be that it's the same for Jesus as it is for all of us who follow him and choose to make the same decision and go through the same ritual. What was true for Jesus in that moment, in that baptism, will be true for us. And this is where we look at the communication of God. What does God speak over Jesus? Because God will speak the same things over you and me. And when we look at the scripture, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. Now that is a communication, that is a response. That suggests that before that moment, heaven wasn't opened. It means for you and I, before we make a decision to surrender our lives to God, heaven is not open to us. It is not accessible. The shutters are on the windows, bolts are on the door, gates are locked. But upon that decision to be baptized, it says heaven becomes open, it's open for you and I, we get to walk in and enter heaven. And it's not just that, it doesn't stop there because God responds further. The Bible says, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Some uh, texts, they use the word remain on him, remaining on Jesus. But it says that heaven was opened and this spirit, the spirit of God came down. The very life of God, the very essence of God came down. And the form it takes is another communication because the form is a dove. Doves speak to us about harmlessness, And that God is gentle. And that in that moment, God is choosing to reveal himself and and show himself to us as a God who's gentle, as a God who is harmless. You know, he hasn't always been that way in the Old Testament. But in our baptism, he chooses to be gentle with us. He chooses not to judge us. He chooses not to be harsh with us. He comes as someone who's harmless and who is gentle. And it says in the Bible that the spirit like a dove remained on Jesus. Do you know, this is true of us. When we make this decision to be baptised the heavens open and the spirit comes down. That's why we always pray for people to be filled with the spirit when they get baptized. But I think that that is another communication, the spirit resting on him like a dove is another communication, not about God, but it communicates something about us, how God sees us. Do you know that doves are the most sensitive of all the birds? They're the most easily disturbed. They are highly, highly sensitive God would entrust us with that which is highly sensitive, the, the if you like, the most sensitive aspect of God. He's decided on our baptism to entrust to us. And that speaks about who we are. We are now worthy. We are worthy to receive the precious, sensitive, the gentleness of God. We've moved from people who were, away from God, possibly hostile to God, but the transformation in baptism means we are now worthy. We are allowed to be filled with the very person of God, his spirit. Do you know, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. I met the Holy Spirit when I was 20. It was my first experience of faith. I was looking after my mother. She was dying of cancer, and in her last few weeks, I was nursing her and literally doing all those things that you need to do for a dying person who's now immobile and bedridden. And I invited some Christians to come and pray. I thought we might as well ask God for some help. There's no no sort of hope in any other direction. And these lovely Christians came and prayed with my mother and prayed for me. But there was something that they brought into the house. They brought their faith and they brought this wonderful sense of the lightness of God. I could see in their eyes that they had something really precious and light. And when they spoke about their faith, they talked about a Jesus that they knew personally. And I was so bowled over by this couple. I was thinking, they're amazing. I've never, ever heard this. I've never heard anybody speak about a God who actually wants to come close to humanity. I've never, ever heard people talk about the spirit of God who comes to live inside us. This was all new. And I remember going to my bed one night and I said, God, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about life and death. I'm thinking a lot about what's the point? You know, we're just here for a very short time, then we die, it's all meaningless. And I said, God, if you are real, if you are real, show yourself to me. And I had this enormous uh, filling We call it a baptism, but it's basically I was saturated with light. And I was lying on my bed and I could just feel power and light going into my body and invading every cell. I mean, it was transformative. I was left without a doubt that God was real. I felt totally, totally transformed in that one moment. I knew I would never be the same ever again. It filled me with a light and a desire, and it, it empowered me to live a life which glorified God. I just wanted to serve him. When I woke up the next day, I just went around telling everybody. I said, God is real. I met him. He loves you. He loves me. He's here. He's, he's alive and well. And I, I, was so, I was so enamored with God. I just thought, how, how is it that I am worth this? the Holy Spirit coming down and filling me up, filling me up with God. Do you know, the next thing, the communication that happens in this scripture is God actually speaks. Do you know that Christians hear the voice of God? God will speak to us. Sometimes it's through the Bible, sometimes it's through other people, but sometimes people actually like hear a voice in their head and it's like, this is a voice of God. He's telling me something. But in this moment, there is this, this audible voice that comes down from heaven. And he speaks something so wonderful. He says, this, Jesus, this is my son whom I love. When the Holy Spirit comes in us, the Holy Spirit transforms us so that we can bear the likeness of God, so much so that we look like his children. And I think in baptism, we are revealed to this world as the children of God. We're here representing the fullness of his likeness, of his being. It's a really powerful thing. We live with that. Amazing. And the last thing that God speaks is about him being pleased. With him, I am well pleased. God approves of us in this act of baptism. And when we surrender our lives to him, we win his approval. He loves to see how we act. He loves to see how we serve him. It is, I cannot tell you the psychological and the emotional benefits of living your life feeling that you are approved of. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. We were talking about it just over coffee. A lot of people make you feel very guilty about the things that we do to the planet, our treatment of you know, people in the poorer countries, our treatment of animals. We get it wrong and it's not okay. It's not okay. But sometimes we are not powerful to do very much about it. And I feel, I feel angry sometimes that people are made to feel such guilt and shame over the things that they've got no power over. God knows our weakness. He knows that we are guilty. But he chooses to make us right with him. And he chooses to send his spirit into us so that we can live a life that he can approve of. It's a massive thing to live with God on your side. It's a massive deal to live with the approval of God. You are very powerful. You are very potent. You've got this infinite power on your side. You can do a lot. We don't need to live under that guilt. We can be filled with God's power, and we can go out and bring the transformation that the world needs. We are very powerful. So I'm gonna bring this to a close. But I want to give a challenge to people who are living out their faith, but they haven't quite committed themselves to God yet. They're just a little bit reticent. Commitment allows you to really get the best out of what you believe, to get the best out of your conviction. It really does. And if you're on the outside looking in, I want to ask you, is this something that you would want for yourself? Is it something you think, yeah, I can taste and I can see that this is good. I want to know more. I want to know more about whether God is real. Can he reveal himself to me in the same way? So this is an invitation for you just to explore more and explore further. So this is my big idea. Baptism goes two ways. It communicates a believer's conviction and commitment to God. And God answers with a welcome into heaven, the gift of sonship through the Holy Spirit and the power to live a life approved by God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Lord, for your gift of forgiveness. Lord, your gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you've made a way for us to be put right with you. Lord, you've allowed us access into the kingdom of heaven through the death of your son. And Lord, I just pray for those we're going to baptize in a minute. Holy Spirit, come. Let them know that they're loved. Put that seal of sonship, of daughtership upon them. And would you bless their lives eternally. In Jesus' name. amen. 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 Amen.